We have a couple of scripture passages this evening. One is not listed in the bulletin, but I wanted to have an Old Testament scripture passage and a New Testament scripture passage for us. The Old Testament scripture passage is Isaiah 40, and I'm going to start the reading in Isaiah 40 on verse 12, so that's actually found in your pew Bibles on page 1,120. 1,120. Starting the reading in verse 12. Here now, the reading of God's holy, inspired, and infallible word. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who has understood the mind of the Lord, or instructed him as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him, and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. To him then will you compare to whom then will you compare God? What image will you compare him to? As for an idol, a craftsman casts it, and the goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. A man too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. He looks for a skilled craftsman to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who keep, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. It's the Old Testament scripture passage. The New Testament scripture passage is Romans chapter 8, starting the reading in verse 28, can be found in your pew Bibles on page 1,757. 1,757. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him who have been called according to his purpose. 
For those God knew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. As far the reading of God's holy word, may he bless it to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. We're going to be looking at Lord's Day 9. It's on page 16 in the back of your Psalter hymnals. Lord's Day 9. And we can read the answer together with one voice. What do you believe when you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and everything in them, who still upholds and rules them by his eternal counsel and providence, is my God and Father because of Christ, his Son. I trust him so much that I do not doubt He will provide whatever I need for body and soul, and he will turn to my good whatever adversity he sends me in this sad world. He is able to do this because he is almighty God. He desires to do this because he is a faithful father. That's the teaching of the catechism. I don't know about you, but maybe... Many of you have experienced this or been familiar with this dad bragging. You know, dad bragging is the kind of thing that kids do on the playground when they're hanging out together and they say, my dad's stronger than your dad. My dad can beat your dad up. That's dad bragging, right? My dad is the best dad. He's got the coolest truck. Now, my kids don't do any of this, but <laughs> other kids do. Isn't that, is this a phenomenon, isn't it? It's, it's something that, that, that kids want to do. They want to brag on their dad. They want to have the best dad. They want to tell everyone that they have the best dad. And kids will argue over whose dad is better based on this or based on that. What I want us to do tonight, and my prayer is, What we can do when we leave here tonight is know that all of us have the best dad. And a dad that we cannot brag enough about. Because although 
kids may talk about their dads on the playground and argue about who has the better dad. We all know that us human dads, we fall short. It's a struggle that all fathers deal with, earthly fathers deal with. The desire to do everything that we can for our children, but the inability to do so. We're insufficient. But there is a father who does not have that issue. There is a father that we have because of Christ, his son, that not only desires to give us all things in him, but is capable of doing so. And that's the father that we all have. Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is our Father as well. And that's what our theme is tonight. Considering what I believe to be the most important element of Lord's Day 9, the only true God is our Father. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Catechism breaks it down in three sections. And in order to grasp these, in order to fully understand them, we're going to talk about them in this way His creation, His care. And lastly, his capability. His creation, his care, and his capability. Let's look at this first point together. The question asks, what do you believe when you confess, like we did just this evening in the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. That the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and everything in them, who still upholds and rules them by his eternal counsel and providence, is my God and Father because of Christ his Son. What I want us to understand about what's being taught here is, is, is this. The shock that we should have as we read this is not in the explanation that, Christ, that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. The shock that we should have is that the creator described for us in Genesis 1 and 2 as breathing the world into existence by the very power of his word. The creator, which I read about in Isaiah 40, who said, who can compare to me? Who, is, who can you say anything? Who's different than me? I, I number the nations like drops in the bucket. He says all the nations are like dust on a scale that you can just simply blow off. 
He says, I created all the stars. I numbered them and I know them by name. I put them all in the sky and I know that everyone there is there for a reason. That creator, the shock is, is our father. See, it would be one thing to open up Lord's Day 9 tonight and to talk to you about the doctrine of creation. And even describe to you that there's so many debates about how creation happened. And was it in six little, literal days, six ages? Those things are all greatly important. I'm not disregarding them. I'm simply stating that that's not the emphasis that Lord's Day 9 and the Catechism has for us. The emphasis for the Lord's Day 9 writers of the Heidelberg Catechism is that we should grasp and understand that it is the creator of the universe who is our Father. That the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ Father means anything in our existence. Father means anything in our experience. The word father means anything written on a greeting card that says happy Father's Day because God is father. Has always been father to Jesus Christ, to the Son. We're told here a few things about creation that we understand that it was Ex nihilo. That's meaning out of nothing. There was not anything that God used to create. He didn't have material that existed before him. He created all things out of nothing. We're told that everything that we see is created by him. This is a holistic or an entire creation. We're also told something very important that we must grasp if we're going to understand the, the fatherly nature of our God. And that is that this God did not create everything, wind it up like a wind-up toy, and then walk away. But we're told that he upholds. And rules by his eternal counsel. And providence. To wait and take more opportunity to speak about providence in the Lord's Day 10. And it goes into more detail about this. But the idea that we should grasp here is that what is occurring... In creation and even through our daily lives, as we see the changing of the seasons, as we see everything around us, besides the fact that it's been cursed and moaning and groaning creation is to be released from this curse, there is a eternal counsel and providence and orderliness to the creation. And even that sin, that curse, God is not simply letting it run rampant. Without careful sovereignty, it's being placed over it.
guided by him. And all these things are things that are true, are realities that describe our Father. The eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is my God and Father because of Christ, his Son. That's his creation. That's the reason why I chose to read Isaiah 40 and Romans 8. Because when we read those two passages side by side, it helps us to grasp what the catechism is doing here by talking about this creator God who is our Father. Isaiah 40 is a grand passage that speaks of the greatness, the hugeness of God, the power of this almighty God. And we can sometimes read Isaiah 40 or other passages like it and begin to feel so distant from this powerful subject. This one who is so much different than us. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He is completely other. And how can we consider someone like that to be our father, the closeness of a father, the care of a father? And that's where Romans 8 comes in. He is our Father because of Christ, our Lord. There's one particular phrase in Romans 8 that comes to me over and over again when I think about Lord's Day 9. And it's in verse 31 and 32. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? And someone might read that and ask, how is God for us? This creator God who has created the heavens and the earth, who knows all the stars by name and placed them in the sky, who is so big, so great, how can he be for us? Verse 32 says, this creator God, the eternal father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? So you have to ask yourself next time when you are wondering in the midst of difficulty that you're facing, trials, and you begin to question, is God for me? How can I know that God is my father is really going to care for me, really going to be there for me? And we can look at all kinds of different things, but Paul in the book of Romans is wanting us to see the fatherly character in God by understanding that God gave us his son Christ. And if you look upon Christ and you say, there's the sign of my care, God's care for me, you don't need anything else. You would understand that if God has given us his son how will he not also with Christ give us all things? The creator God, who is our father. Let's look at this second point then, his care. The catechism continues. Now that it's established how God is my father, Those who confess this catechism, those who say these words, the comforted believer of Lord's Day 1, right? 
says, I trust him so much that I do not doubt he will provide whatever I need for body and soul. He will turn to my good whatever adversity he sends me in this sad world. So what we have described for us right here is not only physical provision, but spiritual provision. We have that division that's often spoken of in the catechism, right? Body and soul. What the catechism writers wanting us to understand is that when we go to passages like Isaiah 40 and we hear of the greatness of the power of this almighty God and we understand that this greatness of this God, the power of this God, the ability of this God to do whatever he pleases in heaven or on earth is pointed toward us because of what Christ has done for us on the cross in redeeming us in a fatherly, caring way. That is supposed to give us confidence that it's supposed to increase our faith. And maybe some of us come to Lord's Day 9 and we say, I trust him so much that I do not doubt. And go, really? Do I? Do I really mean that? I trust him so much, and I do not doubt. What the catechism here is saying is, is not that this is the only way that we can experience the goodness and the provision of our Heavenly Father. It's calling us to the very words that we say to seek to increase our faith and to seek to be those who can, with more and more confidence, say, I trust my Heavenly Father so much and I do not doubt. And I find that as the more we live and the more that we experience, I know I'm up here, I'm pretty young and saying this, the more that we go through, that we find that God is faithful to us. And the more confidence we can have in the words of the catechism here, the more confidence we can have in the words of Paul in Romans 8 when he said, if God has given us Christ his son, how will he not with him give us all things? We will not find God to let us down if we place our trust and our faith in him and say, I trust him so much that I do not doubt he will provide whatever I need. And we see here an important thing helps us not to get discouraged. But what the catechism is talking about here is need, not want. 
And we should thank the Lord that he only gives us what we need and not what we want all the time. He causes us to depend and to trust upon him more and more. Whatever we need for body and soul in this life that we go through. And some of my favorite words from the catechism come here in this section about God's care for us. It's one of the most beautiful things that we as Christians can profess, believe. And that is that he can even turn adversity. In the original German of the catechism, it actually says evil. He will turn to my good whatever evil he sends me in this sad world. In the original German, it's actually veil of tears rather than sad world. And this veil of tears. It's rather poetic, isn't it? It's talking about this life that we experience. This life that is in the midst of the curse. Our bodies which are wrecked with sin. And the consequences of it. We decay and we experience difficulty and pain and hardship. And the deterioration of our bodies. For the wages of sin is death. And not only that, but we we hurt from the sin we commit ourselves. We hurt from the pain that we experience from other people's sin. I think we all here can proclaim and truly understand that there is no escaping adversity in this life. There's no escaping of evil in this life. We're all going to experience it. Some of us may be in the midst of it even now. And here's what I would want to say to you. That if you're in the midst of a trial, a hardship, in this veil of tears, if you're in the midst of adversity, and evil has come upon your life, would you want to, would you not want to know that this comes from your heavenly Father who has brought this into your life for an ultimately good purpose. I'll tell you what I think. I don't know what I would be doing if I did not know and understand and believe that whatever hardship that I am experiencing at this moment, it is not purposeless.
that it means something. And that God has brought it into my life as difficult as it may be and as hard as it may be to face for good for me. And I can know that. I can know that without a doubt because I know that the greatest thing that God has brought into my life, my salvation through Jesus Christ, was brought through evil. Through adversity. That Christ walked through the veil of tears for me. That Christ came into the sad world, a man of sorrows. And lived for me and died for me. So that in this moment I may even be able to share in his sufferings. That's his care. Our Heavenly Father's care for us. Finally, as you think this all be too much said, too much of a promise, that this somehow could be beyond God and His capability. We're told here at the end, he's able. And he desires. He's able to do this because he's almighty God. He desires to do this because he is a faithful father. Remember that we're talking about the Apostles' Creed. And we're talking about what we believe when we say, I believe in God the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And so a bit of homework that I want to give to you is the next time that we confess the Apostles' Creed together and we say those words, I believe in God the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, Remember that what you're talking about, what you're confessing to believe in that moment, is not simply a root confession that we believe that God created everything. It's not simply that. That what we're confessing to believe is that we believe that God is our Father. The God who created the heavens and the earth, who is almighty and full of power and majesty is our Father because of Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's capable. He's able to do this. That is, provide whatever we need for body and soul and turn to our good, whatever evil He sends to us in this veil of tears in this sad world. He's able to do this because He's Almighty God. That is, that when we say, and I trust Him so much, do not doubt he will provide. What we're saying is we know that God is almighty. All powerful. But he desires to do this. Because he is a faithful father.
Isaiah 40 describes the ability of Almighty God with great and wonderful words that speak of God's majesty and greatness. Who can you compare him to? Romans 8 speaks of God's fatherly love toward us in Jesus Christ. And what Lord's Day 9 is saying is that those things aren't opposed to each other. But because of Christ, because we are in Him, because He is our brother, they are joined together. He's able to do this because He's Almighty God. He desires to do this because He is a faithful Father. I opened the sermon talking about kids on the playground bragging on their dad, arguing about which dad is better. I don't know how many of you had great fathers, good fathers. But I do know Whatever experiences you may have had with fathers in this life, that there is a father that we all have by faith in Christ that is worthy to be bragged on. And if you're a kid on the playground sometime in the near future and you want to win that argument as to who has the best dad, With this father, you'll win every time. Because this father is almighty God. And this father is creator of the heavens and the earth and upholds them by his eternal counsel and providence. This father we can trust to provide for us everything that we need, body and soul. And this father we can know will turn every evil he brings into our life for our good. That's a father to brag on. I pray you all leave tonight knowing how great a father we all have. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we ask you, To bless us as we leave this place, help us to see your fatherly hand in our lives this week, your care for us. Help us to know how greatly we are loved and how your great majesty and power is for us in Christ. And may we, Lord, come back next week more able to faithfully proclaim that we trust you and do not doubt your care for us. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.